Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Well, not a whole lot of. Eh. Jesse, I don't, I don't want to go negative right away here. So give me your one positive. Uh, as the Badgers went one and two since the last time we did a show, there has to be some positive in there, right? There's, there's somewhere you got to find it, right? My one positive is that Wisconsin beat Maryland since the last time we talked, and almost squandered an 18 point halftime lead. But didn't uh, my, Nate Reavers is playing well off the bench? Michael Potter's had some good moments, so that's about as positive as I can get for you. It's just tough when we're talking about a three-game stretch where the Badgers went one and two, including a, a loss to a Penn State team that came into that game five and seven. Um, you just shouldn't lose that game. Um, not if you're the team that we think Wisconsin can be. I know the Big Ten is tough, and there's going to be games like that, but there have been too many games like that at this point. So that was my attempt to be positive. <laughs> I know we'll discuss various positive moments throughout this show, but look, this is just... Wisconsin's not playing the way that uh, that a lot of people think they're capable of right now. They're not shooting it very well. Yeah, just three among and, other things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just three and three in their last six games, and uh, you know Penn State beat them for the first time since 2011 Big Ten tournament. Do you remember that game, Jesse? You probably don't. You weren't here yet, were you? Uh, that that was a few months before I started okay, covering you, the Wisconsin beat. However, you know that game. Uh, I am aware that that game set basketball back 50 years. <laughs> Right? Yes. It was 36-33 Penn State in the Big Ten tournament, I believe, is, is what the final score of that game was. Not pretty. Not pretty at all. But there was a lot more offense uh, on Saturday in that loss to Penn State than that, than that game before. Unfortunately for Wisconsin, a lot of it came from Penn State. And they scored 50 points in the second half. They, Wisconsin could not get a stop on that end of the court pretty much all day, but really in the second half. And it was, I guess, a continuation of, you know, being inconsistent on defense. Like, I feel like that is the biggest thing because we've seen them be locked down defensively. We saw it against Maryland for, uh, you know, pretty much the entire game outside of a a couple, a few stretches here and there. They were elite defensively against Maryland and they couldn't, uh, they could not carry it over against the Penn State team who Greg Gard said is essentially the same team, like, uh, you know, offensively and some of the things that they do. Yeah, Wisconsin's just been giving up too much penetration, too many shots that uh, that are, are easy. And I, I give Penn State credit and, and, and other opponents, too. There have been shots that were a high degree of difficulty that were well-defended that have managed to go in. But like it seemed as though, especially in the second half, a player like Isaiah Brockington was getting into the lane at will and just abusing everybody <laughs> and scoring when he needed to score. And it is surprising because, as you said before, that this team – wouldn't have as high of an offensive ceiling as as uh, the best Wisconsin teams we've seen, but would have to thrive defensively, and and that isn't what we've seen, and it's been a terrible combination because the other thing Wisconsin needs to do well with this many players is shoot three-pointers well. And you look at the last five games, they're 39 for 135, 28.9%, and they've taken at least 25 threes in all those games, which I, I think is sort of interesting. The last five games, they're averaging about 27 threes a game, and the first 12, they're averaging about 21. And I'm not – I've heard some of the broadcasters suggest that Wisconsin should just, like, not shoot that many threes. But there have been open looks, and yeah. they're capable of making them. Yep. And so to say that you just abandon shooting the three is sort of a bizarre statement to me. 
Having said that, if you're going to keep shooting them, you got to hit them every once in a while. And Wisconsin just hasn't been able to do that. And their their season percentage has plummeted to 37%. So we've seen this movie before, unfortunately, for Wisconsin. And there's obviously time to turn the page and fix it. We saw what the Badgers did from February on last year. But right now, they're just they're not playing particularly well. Yeah, I think if you want to look at it as with uh, half glass full, at this point last year, they had not yet started that, that streak of eight straight wins. Uh, that didn't start until February 9th. Right around this time last year, they were dealing with turmoil within the, within the program. You know, Kobe King leaving and the whole situation with uh, Eric Helland to go along with all the other stuff that that team went through. But if you want to look at it half glass full, they, are, uh, they still have time. They still have time to, sh- to turn that shooting percentage around. However, I, I think it's probably worth going back and looking at what we've seen over the last couple of years and how this has gone. I mean, you think about two years ago, they started out on fire from three, right? They, were, they could not miss. And then in the second half of the year, couldn't hit anything. And that continued over into the start of last year. And then towards the end of last year, they hit everything in that eight-game stretch. And uh, to start this year, they were pretty good. But they've run into this, as you said, the last five games. I'll even throw the you know the Michigan game in there too, and it's it's like at thirty percent. So it's not like it's like that much better. Even if you uh, throw Michigan in there, if you uh, put Michigan in, so there's still time to turn this around. But uh, prior evidence would suggest that this. I wouldn't say prior evidence. Uh, prior seasons show it may not be as easy as 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 that, right? Well, yeah, and they're they're playing teams that it, look. This, this is gets a, a lot harder. They're, it's very well scouted, and it's a long season, and there's a lot going on this year. And and as as they're, it's unique this year. But I, I do think it's like, and Greg Gard has talked about this too. It starts defensively, and and mm-hmm. because they can win games without shooting threes at a high clip. Yes, if they are a little more efficient inside, if they can get to the line, they can get stops. But you can't stop anybody. Uh, you're going to have a really difficult time. So to me, that's that's more alarming because teams that shoot a lot of threes will go through these stretches. I mean, I brought it up early here because it's it's noteworthy to me just how poor they've been. But it's not something like that that can't be fixed defensively. It's it's problematic right now because th- this is not the first time the Penn State game where we've seen a team do this to Wisconsin. So you're saying that's something that can't be fixed. I'm not saying it can't be fixed. It's just to me, it's more concerning than the three pointers because the three pointers, a lot of them have been open looks. They haven't all been, and we know those guys can make them. And defensively, I mean, you, you've got to fix some things. Their teams are creating matchup problems. Obviously, um, a lot of these teams are, are much smaller, and we saw a lineup even against in the last game where Tyler Wall was a five man for a brief period of time. So you know, you're, you're sort of in stretches negating your two bigs. Or you certainly can't have them on the floor at the same time, which we haven't seen very much of. Um, I just think it's interesting defensively some of the problems Wisconsin's having. And to me, that's more of a concern than the three-point shooting, at least right now. Put your All right, put your coach's hat on. How do you fix it? Well, you've got you, to take away for, some right, freaking ex- driving lanes. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, exactly. Like, Explain the issues and then tell me how you fix it. Because you're the you're the basketball guy here between us. You're the one that that played it. You're the one that has uh, has has covered it, played it, did everything. I played it in like sixth grade. I mean, I can watch it, but I I you know I can watch it and I can understand some things. But you're the one that actually has been on the floor in, in high high level situations, Jesse, in Division Three. That uh, you 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 know what is going on. You can see what what's going on. Explain it. 
I appreciate you calling the Division Three game high level. It's uh, yeah, that that it's better than it's, it's well, hey, better than most people think, though. On the on, I, it's, it's pretty tough on the week. <laughs> yeah, hey, Division Three, no joke. We just saw we just uh, this is not basketball related, but we just saw in football a Division Three lineman from UW Whitewater go and dominate at the Senior Bowl. So uh, it's not necessarily something, you know, it's not uh, it's not child's play there for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look the. The switches have been a problem just because you you put a guard on on a big like Micah Potter and we talked about it before. It's just that's not Micah's game. The, the foot speed and the quickness required to keep up with somebody is a challenge. But to me, there's also been problems where just like a guard on guard situation. Either the, the I mean, there's some big dudes that play on the wings in the Big Ten and they're just sort of out muscling Wisconsin and they're a little bit quicker. And I can't pinpoint exactly why that's been the case. Sometimes I've seen it on Johnny Davis, who I think is a, a pretty solid defender, but is still a true freshman and isn't maybe necessarily as physical as some other guys. But I think they're just more physical and they seem to be quicker to me uh it's easy to say just cut off the driving lanes but if if you are outmatched in that regard then then that's a problem and it's it's surprising to me because this is supposed to be wisconsin's calling card right and i'm not saying wisconsin can't get back to that point but it to me it's a combination of those things it's when switches are created wisconsin is in big trouble and just guard on guard have been problematic too so i mean those are a couple of the things that that come to mind um, you just got to man up and, and keep them out of there because it's coming too easily. It is with the bigs and and the switches and, the, and a lot of the ball screen action. When you're watching Nate Reavers do it, when you're watching Micah Potter do it, are you seeing them do it differently? In in terms of comparing one to the other? Yeah. I mean, it's. I think we talked about this before. It's something that I think Micah has struggled with for for a while and he's got a lot of you know, strong points. And then it, you, you can get a situation where you have foul trouble. I'm not, you know, not all of those have happened on those situations, but like he only played 15 minutes against Penn state. Maybe that wasn't the best matchup, but I think he picked up a couple fouls early. Right. And, yeah. um, I don't know differently. I, I mean, obviously we've seen that it's probably not the best matchup for both those guys to be on the floor at the same time, which is why you haven't really seen it. Um, but, I don't know exactly what the answer is right now. You can't just say, uh, I mean, I guess you could say to have the guard fight over that screen no matter what, but it's not always that simple. Yeah, for sure. And it just uh, it just doesn't make any sense for like it, for me, and I think probably a lot of fans uh, are out there probably thinking the same thing, that you can be so good sometimes and not be go- so good other times, and you would expect that from a young team, right? Like you would expect it from a team that doesn't have a lot of experience and that's kind of the up and downs of a season. When you have as many seniors and as many experienced players on this team as you do, that has to be extremely frustrating for both fans and I suspect obviously the coaching staff. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, the other thing I would say is this is this is something that you would think will be able to get better here down the stretch because it's something that is so important and usually ingrained in Wisconsin. I guess on the flip side, you could say that that makes it even more alarming that this is supposed to be the staple of Wisconsin basketball, but um, there are a lot of games left right now. And the, the, the difference between where Wisconsin is right now tied for fifth with Purdue and getting back to the top is just a couple games. You know, they, they win that game and they're eight and three and they're in second place. So, I mean, they can get back there. It's just to do it against Penn State is a little concerning. But, hey, they're going to get to play Penn State again in a very rare back-to-back. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, I believe the last uh, last time was uh, I think it was they ended the regular season with the team and then played them in the Big Ten tournament. I'm trying to. They met, it was Michigan State in 2009. Right. Is that, is that is that is that what they said on the broadcast? I couldn't remember exactly what. I thought it was one of the Michigan teams. Yeah, I think that's what it was. So, I mean, this is the uh, the COVID era scheduling, um, but at least they're at least they're going to play again. And you know, I think Nate Reavers addressed it after the game that it's it's a good thing to play Penn State again. And certainly, you could spin it however you want, but they're going to be able to look at the film and they're going to be able to prepare in the exact same way they did before and see what Penn State did well. And we'll see if Wisconsin's able to respond. I I think that the Badgers will. Um, but they got to go out and prove it. Actually, looking back at it, it, it was the 2010 Big Ten tournament. Okay. They played Illinois back-to-back days or back-to-back wow. games. I don't know. It's it's kind of irrelevant to the to this whole thing, <laughs> but um, nonetheless, yeah. They, right now, they are a they're just they're inconsistent, and I think I've all I I think I've said this a number of times, and I'll say it again. It's okay to not hit your three pointers if you're going to play lockdown defense. Like you can you right. can get pie that. And that's what Wisconsin has done for much of the last twenty years. Is if you're if you're not going to be shooting the ball well, you can stay with you can stay in a game and you can win a game with your defense. And they just haven't done it. They, or I shouldn't say they they didn't do it against Penn State. I think they did it against Maryland. It's not like they yes. it's not like they played well offensively against Maryland, but they were really really good defensively and get it done. Yeah, I mean. I talked about they had an 18-point lead, and Maryland cut into it very quickly, but Wisconsin was able to withstand that run and you know, play pretty well defensively. I mean, you look at that game, Maryland only made 19 of 53 field goals, and they only made 9 out of 33. So that was a big win for Wisconsin. It may not have seemed like it at the time, but that's a Maryland team that came into the Cole Center and, and won earlier in the season, and, and Wisconsin is scuffling a little bit. And so those are the kind of wins that you have to pick up. But, uh, yeah, that, de- that defensively is, I think – something we're going to be addressing uh, throughout the rest of the season. But for me, there's there's a couple other storylines that I, I wanted to address just from what's developed the last few games. And um, so if I'm going off script, nope. I apologize. Go for but it. There was, something, there was something that stood out to me during that Maryland game that I really hadn't considered when I was listening to the Big Ten broad, broadcast. Um, I'm sure you heard it too, but it, uh, Stephen Bardo was talking about uh, he was one of the broadcasters mentioning it that Greg Gard had told them uh, that Nate had been impacted by the the mental toll that social distancing had taken and, and just kind of what these guys are going through and it didn't really I hadn't spent much time thinking about this but I, I feel like it's something that w- we should at least bring up because this is such an unusual season and these guys aren't exactly spending as much time together as they normally would. And I just, it struck me that like I hadn't considered how much something like that has impacted him or maybe some of these other players. And I I do wonder, uh, extrapolating here a little bit, but like how much has that impacted Nate this season? And and just for Greg to say that to the television broadcasters, I thought was interesting. Um, I don't know. I I mean, he, I, I give him credit because the last few games, I think he's figured out his role off the bench. He had 11 points against Ohio State. He had 18 against Penn State. He's playing much better. He looks more confident, more aggressive. But that was something that I just hadn't heard before and I really hadn't thought much about. That things are taking a toll on them mentally? Like I, that I, Greg would that Greg would, you know, tell the broadcasters that and that they they would bring that up on the just I mean, I think on the outside, like you just maybe assume that some of it is, but you don't really know exactly what these guys are going through. And sure. I just feel like for Greg to bring that up to 
the the guys and for them to mention it on the air. I mean, it must had it must have been significant enough. And I wonder how much that has impacted him on the court. Yeah, I think it probably hits everybody a little bit different, right? Right. And I we've seen it in uh, with some other players that this does really, really affect them that they can't be around their loved ones more often. You know, Micah Potter is engaged. Can't really be around uh, around her, you know, and, and obviously Nate, you know, has relationships that he wants to be involved with people and he can't do it right now because of basketball. But that's the same way for everybody, right? That, yes. that That's playing. And I'm not, look, we have, we have seen the uh, mental health toll that this has taken on the entire country, that mental health issues are becoming more and more prevalent as we continue to have to stay away from the people that we want to be around. Right. So I guess I just I guess and maybe I, it's probably wrong on my part just to assume that that would be the case for for the basketball players. But I always kind of thought that that would be like they, they are playing basketball. Right. And they're even more restricted than we are. And so that I, I guess I just kind of expected that they are dealing with that. And that one part of Greg's job is to and the coaching staff's job is to try and make them feel as comfortable as possible. But it's very, very difficult this year to do that because even when you're on the road. You go and get food, you have to go eat it by yourself in your room. Exactly. Right. And that's something that they also meant. You know, you don't eat together, you're in single rooms. So even the camaraderie that you have during the course of a normal basketball season isn't isn't there in the way that it it would be. But I think I, I brought it up more just because if there's one player this season that we've said he's not meeting expectations or like kind of what happened to him, it's Nate, and we've talked about it on previous shows. And I just wondered when I heard that how much that had impacted his play. And I'm not trying to sit here and make excuses for him, but I just thought it was noteworthy that that was the one player that they brought up on the broadcast that, that Greg had mentioned in conjunction with just the, the toll that this has taken, even though I I recognize that it's impacted everyone. But like you said, it, it hits differently for different people. It definitely does. And again, it's, it's not just basketball players or it's not just the public. It's, this is, affecting everybody in, in different ways and but uh, you're right I think maybe you look at maybe you look at it a little bit differently knowing that right maybe when, when yeah. you're thinking about his play yeah I it just it just made me wonder uh, and I thought it was interesting but I, I give him a lot of credit for what he's been able to do the last few games it it looks like he's rounding back into form and even though he's not playing a ton of minutes um he's he's being impactful and efficient and they're certainly going to need that they are and they're going to need him to continue playing at this level and you, and you hope everybody else comes with him, right? I know offensively is, is kind of where we've been talking about with him, right? Like that was kind of where he was struggling, uh, was on the offensive end. But as a team, it's the defensive consistency that I think is where everything is. You said you had some other things that you wanted to, to, to throw in here or what? Yeah, it's, this, is, this is a far less serious topic, <laughs> but I feel like we need to address the Brad Davison three-point shooting leg kick because in two out of the three games that we're discussing uh, he was called for it and honestly I'm very surprised obviously the officials have seen enough of Brad Davison uh that makes them question his intent on some plays Mm -hmm. I have to assume some plays call that call early in the Ohio State game by Bo Borowski to me was ridiculous oh they 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 negated a three-pointer that he had by saying that he intentionally kicked his leg out um he was fouled on the play, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bobrovsky made a questionable call. No way. <laughs> yeah. And was that, and was demonstrative and, and was demonstrative in showing that bad call, which he is. <laughs> and all eyes on me, Borowski. That that's uh, that's his nickname, isn't it? <laughs> um, 
I, I don't know, but I, I, I see you're expressing your true feelings on that. Um, yeah, that was surprising. And then Brad got called for a flop warning for falling down on a three at, a, at the shot clock buzzer in the Maryland game. There were about four minutes left. Um, I don't know. I He's in a tough spot right now because he, he because of the way he plays and the number of charges he drew early in his career, it just seems like he can't buy a call right now, but especially on the threes. I'm just... Maybe that that seems to be something that officials have discussed, but I'm not I'm it has me wondering. I just I don't know. To me, it's to me, the, the call is if if he does it every time, like if, he, if that's just his shooting motion, I don't know how you I don't know how you call foul on him. You know, what I mean, it's not like he's kicking his leg out on purpose here. That's just his, if you go back and look at the Maryland, uh, someone tweeted this. I didn't uh, I can't remember who it was, but if you go back and look at the, the Maryland game. From last year when he hit that that three in the corner to mm-hmm. to take yeah. the lead, he did it there too. Like that's just right. It's kind of who he is. Uh, now the people that do not like Brad Davison will say that's cheap, but it's also kind of where he's at. But no, if I was Brad, I'd be so frustrated right now, so frustrated. Oh, for sure. Because anytime, and not just on those plays, anytime that he falls to the ground, there's no call, and, and sometimes no. right. And he gets up and he's looking around. He's like, "What is going on here?" And uh, I, I, I feel for him, but I think it's a result of him, unfortunately, falling so many times in the first two, you know, two years. Like it, the last two years, just haven't been. Uh, he has not gotten certain calls that, you know, maybe other people that do not have the reputation of uh, going down to the ground a lot would. There have been some fouls that were not called, and I think it's largely because it's Brad Davison. Oh, I, I agree 100%. I, I wonder if that if another player on, the, on Wisconsin's team would have done that, would they have been called for either a flop warning or would that three have been called off when he, to me, was fouled against Ohio State? This is, I think this has been a got to have been a frustrating stretch here for Brad just from a, a shooting perspective. You look over his last nine games, he hasn't shot better than 37.5% from the field. And in that stretch... He's only made 20 of 77 field goals, which is 25.9%. That's since the December 28th game against Maryland. So can't buy a call right now. Can't make as many shots as he wants to. And another guy who's going to have to come around, you would think, if they're going to make a, a run in March. Because he's had some really big moments uh, offensively. But I, I don't think that's going to impact how he plays defensively. So, I mean, that that's one thing you can definitely say about Brad. And you had one more thing that you wanted to get to? Well, the Tyler Wall, I thought, I mean, I haven't mentioned him yet for, for this week, but just uh, he was great early against Penn State and he didn't score the last 25 minutes of the game. And uh, I don't know, just I thought that was interesting that like he, he made his first six shots. He had 13 points and he's played great, but maybe being a little more consistent, maybe that's nitpicky for a young player who who had a double double <laughs> against Penn State. Right. Well, but I just I just thought that was interesting. He didn't make a shot the last 25 plus minutes. How many did he take? Well, he's four. <laughs> he was six. Started six for six. He finished six for ten. That's nitpicky though, because there are a lot of other, a lot of other uh, things going on with the team. But I, I think generally he's 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 done well in the starting role. And I, I mean, I've mentioned this before, but I don't see that uh, I don't see that starting lineup changing in the in the near future. Um, maybe if Nate plays consistently like he did against Penn State, it'd be hard to keep him off the floor. But Tyler still played 30-plus minutes the last two games. We've talked about this before. They can't play those two together very much anymore. We saw it. Uh, I don't think they can. I don't think they can either. And I, 
and and I, and, I, and, and, and and I think people are realizing that now. Like, there's no right. calls for them to play them at the same time. Well, yeah, Greg even said, and this was brought up during the Ohio State game, that uh, basically Potter and Reavers play the same minutes. It's just it's tough to play the same. It's tough to play those two together. So I mean, I think he's acknowledged that too. But just look at the look at the number of minutes, um, and neither's playing more than you know. 20 25 minutes a game or something like that so that's kind of where we're at right now is uh that 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 dream that people had why aren't they in there together and you're kind of seeing why but i mean wisconsin can still win games without both those guys on the floor it's just been it's it's been interesting the matchup problems that uh wisconsin's experienced here of late because it it, it is because I, I feel like they have guys that can guard multiple positions like it doesn't right. it doesn't and I understand, you know, maybe Micah and Nate can't, but the rest of them can. And so you wouldn't think that uh, that those issues would be. I feel like they're versatile, and yet for whatever reason, just just not there all the time. I don't no, know. it hasn't. It hasn't been to this point, but uh, I don't know. There's a lot of games left. I, I that's right. I feel I feel like Wisconsin is going to be better here down the stretch because that's what Wisconsin teams. Mm. normally do not always mm. but i i just think they're i mean defensively they can't continue at this clip you wouldn't think so you, you wouldn't you, think so you, you, you wouldn't but that's the thing like what is it give up 80 uh, you know give up uh, 74 hold the team to 55 give up 81 we'll see what happens tomorrow but it's uh it, the, and i know people are just going to be hating the word consistency You'd probably get drunk by the time uh the end of the show for how many times i'm going to mention <laughs> it today but you know that was the word. To, that was the message from Greg Gard to his team as well uh, afterwards. And you're right; there are plenty of games left, but there's plenty of hard games left too. You know what I mean? Like right. this isn't like they needed. I, I thought, or I think, well, I guess it's relevant now. They 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 lost already to Penn State. I thought that they needed to win Maryland, Penn State, and Penn State. I thought that those three were not not necessarily must wins, but very very important if they had any hopes of you know pushing for a conference title. I think those. Thoughts are out the window. There's, I don't think there's a chance considering yeah. their their schedule. Their closing uh, clip here has five ranked teams in their last nine games, including two games each against Illinois and and Iowa. Uh, you know, and we'll see if they get to play Michigan. We'll see if Michigan's back up and running by that point. But they needed that game on Saturday, and they didn't play like it. But they needed it on Saturday, and they need they desperately need that one tomorrow night. So because I I looked at that final these final nine games, I think if you can't go 500, but can you win? Can you win four of them? Can you win? You don't think they're going to go 500 in the last nine? They can't. Huh? They can't. Can't go 500 on, on an odd number of games. Uh, uh, well, uh, sorry, above 500 <laughs> in the last nine. You don't think they're going to go five and four? At least, based on what I've seen the last th- uh, six games. I have no team. I have no idea what team's going to show up tomorrow night, much less the final, the eight games after that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you could have any confidence that's going to sit there and say, "Yep, they're going to be over five hundred in that schedule." Like, should they beat Nebraska? Yep. Should they beat Penn State tomorrow? Yep. Uh, at Northwestern, probably. At Purdue, I don't know. Like, it, it, and then those other games, toss ups or not favored. They're not going to be favored in. I don't think they're favored in any of those other games. Yeah. Because because it's it'd be different if there were fans, right? Like if there were fans for a home game against Iowa or a home game against Michigan or a home game against Illinois, like maybe it's a little bit different. And it'd be the same thing going on the road. Like those those environments w- would have Wisconsin as as big underdogs. But I, I think there'll be an underdog in every game. Uh, those those five games that they have to play against uh, teams that are ranked. 
I think. Yeah, you might be right. I'll throw this out there just to, to make a friendly wager. I think they will go over 500 in the last nine. <laughs> All right. Maybe that's not going out on a limb, but uh, at least five and four. I mean, if they go four and five, let's just say they do. Then you've got a 17 and 10 record. Not all that impressive, really. I mean, still plenty good to get into the tournament in the Big Ten that's this tough. But, like, uh, I don't know. That would be really surprising for where I thought they would be. Yeah, but, I mean, yes. That, and, that's again, that's why I thought the not, just the not just the Penn State game, but the Ohio State, going back to the Ohio State game, was one that I thought they kind of needed to win, too. Or, again, need is maybe irrelevant. But uh, when, when their losses aren't bad, but then you go and lose. Where's Penn State? I guess I should check the... Uh, the you the need net, to go back to the net, net rankings, rankings and, and, the and see how bad that Penn State loss really is. Probably isn't too bad, considering they were it's what? It's not. They're 29 in the net No, they're ranking, not. They are. No, they're insane. not. Penn State? Seven. Penn State yes. is... Tw- that, thing needs, that thing needs to be recalculated. That, that needs to be shut down and restarted. How are they... Tw- <laughs> 20 what? 29. Bull roar. Like that? Come on. Well, that's good for Wisconsin. I, I, I guess. think a bad loss is better than uh, anything else. I don't. I don't know. I mean, they did beat Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech was ranked at the time. Back <laughs> so in the day. That. Back in the day. Yeah, back in early December. They, they don't, I don't know. Do they give credit for playing teams close? Because they certainly have done that. Um, I don't. I, I don't think really so. Know how the net rankings are entirely configured. I don't uh, know. Any anything that has a six and seven team ranked twenty seventh. You said. I mean, 29. 29. Yeah. Wisconsin's, by the way, sitting there at uh, at 18 right now, if anyone is is interested. And Big Ten is, is like, pretty loaded. There's 29? <laughs> I know. Come on. Hey, again, I guess it's good for Wisconsin. But that, because, you know, normal years, a 6-7 and seven team who has, what, two wins in conference? How many wins they have in conference? They got more than that, but uh, they got three wins now. That's yeah. Penn State's three and six in the conference. <laughs> that's that's pretty weak. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's seven teams in the top thirty though from the Big Ten in the uh, in the net rankings. For what it's worth, well, it's, it's, so I guess you can say it's not as bad of a loss as it looks. But to me, it's a bad loss. Uh, it's a bad loss. It is. It is. Yes, they were thirteen and for thirteen. In, in the last, what, decade, so. Yes, 13 wins in 13 attempts against Penn State. Hey, and they can get that, they can try and get that going back the right way on Tuesday night, but. So, now that, we, I mean, when we did this a week and a half ago, before these last three games, mm-hmm. you said that they would be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, you still feeling that? Well, it's clearly trending downward. I, I still... <laughs> I still will put them at a four. I mean, if I think they're they're going to finish above five hundred down the stretch, that's a really tough schedule. But you know, maybe they wind up as a five or something. I mean, I don't know. I we always try to project, and it's the first day in February, but that's that seems where things <laughs> are headed right now. Ultimately, they're going to get in, and you could say that's all that matters. But you also want to position yourself uh, nicely because. I mean, yeah, I don't know. If you're a four or a five, then you got a one seed in the Sweet 16, hypothetically, if you can even make it to the second weekend. What's the ceiling for this team now? Oh, the ceiling, I... 
I don't know. Ceiling here's is the final four. I mean, honestly, like I, I, I know they haven't played like it, but Eesh. oof. Final four. The the very best they can do should be uh, the final four. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to get there. They haven't played like it at all, but they're capable of it. I think. So they, they shoot well from three. They're <laughs> extremely difficult to defend. Yeah, there's a lot of ifs, of course. But you think Wisconsin's extremely hard to defend? Is, if, that, is if that what you're saying? Everybody is shooting well. I think so. Um, if Micah Potter is stepping out and hitting, if Nate Reavers is stepping out and hitting, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot of ifs. Tyler Wallace shown he can make it. Brad Davison hasn't shot well. Demetri Trice has been good for stretches like Aleem Ford. There's a lot of guys that can make threes. <laughs> but they haven't made him much at all lately. So, so you're so, saying, I mean, so you're saying a team that that gets hot from the field has a chance to go to the Final Four? Yeah, yeah, cliche, right? <laughs> but you're asking me what the ceiling is, and I, like, I still believe that's the ceiling is that they can win four games and make it to the last, you know, weekend of the college basketball season. But if you're asking me now, it's, it looks like a team that fizzles out in the first weekend, obviously, because they just can't get it together. But there's a long there's a long way to go, and we know that they're capable of turning it around. The, we we know that they are capable of doing it, and it needs to start Tuesday night. Like they yep. like they they need to get back. It's been six games. They, they, all six of these games, they haven't shot forty percent from three, and like that's almost. I, I'll have to go back and look. There was a, a stretch last year where they had five straight games that they weren't uh, at forty percent, and even you know what, they don't even need to be at forty percent or better, but. Got to be around that that 37, 38, 39. I think in two of the games they were, but in four of the others, yikes. So the the thing about it is, is you know, Greg Gard, like they need to hit their shots. You can't yell guys into making shots, and we we've said that, and he said that continuously. When they get open looks, they have to take them, and uh, they had a number of open looks against Penn State, and they didn't go down. I think you would take. I would. I mean, if you're Wisconsin, I think you take. Pretty much every shot, you know, outside of you know, late when they were trying to, when they were trying to get back into it, you know, taking some questionable ones. But for the most part, those are shots that you would take all day long. No. Yeah, I think so. And and uh, when when you ask me what the ceiling is, I guess I go back and look at that Louisville game, and because uh, that I mean, it's ridiculous. Like they made sixteen to twenty five threes that day, and I know Louisville. I think didn't have its best player, right, or one of its yeah. top players. Yeah. Um, and Louisville was absolutely terrible, but. Wisconsin played extremely well defensively, gave up 18 points in the first half, dominated from three. It was extremely tough to defend. That, to me, is the ceiling for Wisconsin basketball. Now, the problem is that that's not going to show up every game. But that that is, like, when you ask what is Wisconsin capable of, that's what I think of, where you had seven different guys score at least seven points. Sure. Um, so that win doesn't necessarily look as good as it did then, and neither does the win against Michigan State when the Spartans at the time were number 12. But... At the time, it just seemed like okay, this is this is the Wisconsin team that we thought could be there, and and maybe they can again. And I think that's probably what fans are clinging to is the hope that this veteran team can play to that level. Uh, quick Big Ten question for you: They they got ten teams. Uh, Joe Lunardi has ten teams in the in the, in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Michigan has played nine games. Wisconsin obviously has played eleven. You know, Ohio State's played twelve. When it when it comes down to it, if Michigan like misses a bunch more games and they can't make them up, do you think that they should be? I mean, it, I guess I don't. Looking at the uh, the rules, I think it's going to be winning percentage. But 
Mm-hmm. Do you think that they should be the Big Ten champion if they don't play the same number of games? This this kind of goes back to the football question, though I think it's a little bit different because Indi- uh, you know uh, Ohio State had beaten Indiana already, and so they they kind of had a, a right to that that East title. But this, basketball is a little bit different. If if Michigan ends up only playing fifteen games in the Big Ten, yeah. should they still have a ch- chance to get it if teams like Ohio State and others play, you know, 18 or 19? Well, I guess I'm not aware of a rule similar to football, right? Did they implement one where they say there's a, a max, a minimum number of games you have to play in order to be crowned a league champion? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure then, they didn't. If there isn't a rule in place, then to me, Michigan would be the champion if they have the best winning percentage, even if they play four or five fewer games than some other teams. Then, to me, there is enough games played that you run through everybody in the league and some teams twice that, that you would be the, the the champion. But I think it matters less in basketball, obviously, because in football, there was so much riding on it that if, for Ohio State to get into the playoff and in basketball, like four or five games doesn't matter all that much because you're still getting into the NCAA tournament. And if you can play there, that's what matters. Um, but I don't think it's going to be uh, a point, a huge point of contention. I wouldn't think. Do you think some teams will opt out of playing in the Big Ten tournament? No, I don't. Um, I would be very like, surprised. Well, like here's here's no like here's the question, or here's the the reason I asked the question is a team like Gonzaga or a team like Baylor, if they are guaranteed a number one seed, no matter what happens in the conference tournament, why put yourself in a position to potentially sure. be around a whole bunch of other people in a big in an, in an environment like that and potentially get COVID and potentially impact your uh, standing in the NCAA tournament? I think that would be an absolutely terrible look. Uh, some are, ta- some are talking. About, some are talking about it already. I would be. Uh, I I want to say I would be surprised if that happened. I mean, if you're there to compete, you're there to compete, and you've you've. I understand the sentiment, especially for a team that's maybe guaranteed a one seed and has everything to lose by potentially going to a conference tournament. But I would be tremendously disappointed if. Uh, if that happened, I, I don't know. Like this, um, like this isn't about. To me, this isn't about competing. This is about. You think it's about a safety issue, health and safety issue? Yes. Like there, th- if there's nothing to gain whatsoever other than lifting another trophy. Yeah. That's not going to help you uh, in your ultimate goal of winning the uh, NCAA tournament. I can, I can, I guess I would understand it and be okay with it. I don't think that'll happen in the Big Ten because I don't think anybody's going to be slotted anywhere now. It, the Big Ten tournament has shown that it, it not a ton of it matters in terms of the NCAA tournament, but I guess I would be surprised if any team in the Big Ten opted out. But again, it's still a month away or a month and yeah. what six weeks away. So anything can change by that point, and you know maybe other teams will have to go on hiatus. Other teams will have to take. I mean, we've seen Penn State have to to, to shut things down. Seen. Uh, Nebraska have to shut things down. See Mich- Michigan having to shut things down. Uh, Michigan State having to shut things down. Like we've seen all these teams do it. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that uh, it could happen to another two or three teams before the the Big Ten tournament. Anything is possible in this crazy year. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, I think. Um, man, I, I'm almost uh, a little surprised at how well uh, things appear to have gone and not for every team obviously but just i i really wondered how they were going to do this in in basketball where everyone is in such close contact on the floor um you know there's inevitably there have been shutdowns with different teams um 
But at least from Wisconsin's perspective, they seem to have done a, a pretty good job to this point. And uh, I, I, I'm just I hope everybody's able to play at, at, in the postseason because uh, we're, we're all excited for that. And we didn't have the opportunity to watch it last year. So it's been it's a long time coming. It is. Uh, didn't get a ton of Twitter questions, but I, I did want to bring this one up because I thought it was a good one from Megan. She mm-hmm. says, as the season progresses, I'm starting to think we miss Brevin Pritzel more than fans anticipated. Would be really nice to have a legitimate outside threat in these games. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. He got so much better defensively too. He right. did, he did so many little things by the end of his career that he really it wasn't who he was as a player early on. Right, but. It, yeah, I think if you're Wisconsin, it would be nice to have a, a reliable three-point shooter. Um, he just got so much better over the last couple of years of his career. Having said that, um, I mean, what would that mean? That would mean Johnny Davis isn't playing as many minutes. Um, you know, what's Johnny Davis shooting from three? Uh, not great. Yeah, <laughs> he's only taken seventeen, but. That means, I mean, he's, he's doing, doing a lot. He's, of he's doing a lot of other stuff. I mean, I, yeah, I okay. Would you rather take Brevin as a as a senior or or Johnny Davis as a freshman? Um, I'd rather I take this. Is what it would down to. I mean, I I think I think You'd I would take, have Brevin Prince. I would take Brevin Prince. Yes, yeah. But you know, I mean, because as a, you said, he was getting better defensively. He was a good rebounder, and then obviously the 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 best practice shooter I've ever seen. But also pretty darn <laughs> pretty good in the game in games as well. Maybe not as good as everyone thought he could have been, but. I would take when you're struggling like they are. Wouldn't mind another three point shooter, and one yeah, like him for sure. It's an interesting hypothetical, but I'm I, I think Wisconsin's pretty glad it has Davis. Oh, and, of course, uh, man, he's going to be. He's going to be. I, I don't know. I think he's going to be an all conference player by by the end. Maybe first team all conference. Like he's just so talented. You just don't see very many freshmen at Wisconsin like that. Even if the even if the shooting numbers haven't been there, just you, you see glimpses of it. And with the athleticism and defense and blocks and stuff like that, his ability to turn defense into offense, the the, the he's going to be special there in a few did, years. Did we talk about the comment? Who who made the comment that he's going to be the best player in the Big Ten at some point yeah. in his career? Who which what game was that? Was Man. that was that no, Ruck, I, I was that Rutgers? Look, I don't know if I wrote it down. Excuse yeah, me. It, was, it was it was in the last few games. I know that. Um, yeah, that he was going to be. Yeah, like a yeah. I think that's what they said. But the best player in the conference or all conference or something like that. Yeah. Do you agree? I. I it's really hard to project what it's going to look like three years from now. I mean, can he be a first team all conference type of player? I I think so. I just. Because the glimpses are there. I mean, he's got to become a better outside shooter and things like that. And I think he'll he'll get stronger. But the athleticism and defense and stuff like that, the stuff you can't necessarily teach, uh, it's there already. Yeah, no, it it, it is. It, and a guy's going to get better offensively. I think kind of like Tyler Wall. Like it's going to be uh, yeah. spend significant time this offseason working on his shot and some of what he can do offensively. Um, he's still, as him going to the basket, Sometimes he's sometimes he dribble, dribbles himself into a little bit of trouble, um, <laughs> and there there are times where maybe uh, some of the shots that he takes is a little bit too tough. He's made he made some of them. He has not made a ton of them of late. But we also see some of the his some of his potential. He has a ton of confidence in himself, and I think again that's more good than bad. But you see the ups and downs of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's a, it's also a long season for a college freshman and, and going through all of this but mm-hmm. I, I think he's 
I think he's for the most part played pretty well here and made significant contributions. And it's only going to, it's only going to become greater because of how many seniors are on the team, assuming they don't all come back, which I don't think they will. Six. Yeah. I don't think they'll all be back. (laughs) They'll be 30 years old next year. Yeah. We'll see. Wisconsin uh, does get an opportunity to get back on track against Penn state at home. You would think that they play with a little bit of fire. Uh, after what happened to them at Penn State, giving up 81 points like they did. We'll see, and then we'll talk about it uh, next week. As, uh, the, the schedule certainly does pick up in intensity and pick up in, in uh, challenges with Iowa, Illinois, and, and uh, Michigan all on tap coming up here over the next month. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, you've been listening to The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.